Dad, give me five dollars. Listen to me, young lady. I've had just about all I'm going to take. Mom, what's he talking about? Give me five dollars. Listen, listen to your father when he's talking to you. Well, what's he talking about? You know damn well what I'm talking about. Maria, you've been thrown out of school. I was not thrown out. I quit. Now give me five dollars. John, stop it. You wouldn't dare. If I had my John, way, I was... shut up. Well, what's going to happen? What's she going to do with her life? I'm going to get married. To who? To Anthony. Terrific. Maria, don't be silly. Anthony's going to college. Well, he'll play football. When he gets out, he'll be going to work with his father doing construction. He'll be pulling in a really bitchin' salary. We'll be, like, totally hooked. Don't smoke in the house. Besides, he's got to marry me. I'm going to have a baby. Welcome to another bonus episode of Directors Club. I'm your host, Jim Laskowski. We got a lot of exciting content coming your way. Sometime around Christmas, expect an episode on Fritz Lang. Then a couple weeks later, expect the year-end favorite films of 2021 episode featuring Bill Ackerman, Brad Strauss, and Patrick Rapole. We're going to be skipping listener lists this time because we're going to have a lot to get to having four voices to hear from. On this very interesting year in cinema, uh, wow, we got we're gonna have a lot to say because we didn't have a whole lot to say in 2020, um, and sort of just made that part of the uh, anniversary special that I did with Bill when we revealed our 50 favorite films of all time. And believe it or not, there will be uh, in the new year at some point, maybe in February, a follow-up where we talk about the other favorite. 50 films uh, on our top 100s. And that's going to only be available at patreon.com slash directors club. So if you haven't signed up there, it's only five bucks and uh, every month you'll get something new and exciting. I know uh, in November I wasn't able to get a whole lot out, but I'm finishing up grad school. Yay. And hopefully in the new year, more good things to come. And then episode 200 might happen in May for my birthday, in which I'm going to be deciding on the future of the show and seeing if I'm going to keep going. Uh, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> it's possible. I'd like to, but, you know, lots lots changing, you know, for the better, I hope. We'll talk more about that next year. For now, though, I'd like to talk about the subject of this episode. Um as well as a very heartbreaking but insightful and intimate look at the life and tragic death of an actress, a writer, a director, um, someone that uh, I grew up adoring. Uh, you know, basically, it was maybe when I was turning 18. I, uh, I talk about this in the introduction, uh, when, in the interview proper, so I won't go into great detail, but let's just say that Adrian Shelley's work with Hal Hartley meant a lot to me. Uh, and I, you know, went out of my way to track down her future debut, Sudden Manhattan, as well as the delightful romantic comedy Waitress, which kind of showcases all of her strengths. If you haven't seen that, please do. Um, you know, I just, over the years, I, I, be, I have become smitten with very strong female voices, you know, when they're able to express themselves creatively uh, it's clear when they're talented, but they also, for, for me anyway, I, I just appreciate the vulnerability and compassion to the imperfect characters that they, that they put on screen or that they write in a script. And 
Adrian Shelley had a singular voice that spoke to me, that appealed to me, that really just, you know, it's one of those things in the universe that you never understand where it's just kind of like, yep, I get this, or this is for me, or at least I want to keep experiencing this. And it doesn't always happen. You know, it, uh, careers are cut short for whatever reason. Certainly being uh, a woman in the film industry is complicated and challenging for a variety of reasons, as we all know. Uh, but, man, Adrian Shelley, her presence, her voice, everything about her, I was just kind of like, this is, yeah, I, I want as much as I can, you know, to experience whatever she has to say, whatever she brings to the world of film. Um, and it was cut tragically short. And we get into that, of course. And so does this documentary that uh, we're highlighting today that I am encouraging you, I'm imploring you to check out on HBO Max. And it's called Adrian. You know, and like I said, that um, that screen presence was enough to sell me for life when I first rented Trust. And of course, went back and saw The Unbelievable Truth and uh, a number of films. It, oddly enough, I, I didn't bring this up, but... For some reason, much like the movie Just One of the Guys, there was this HBO staple called um, Big Girls Don't Cry, They Get Even. <laughs> and I saw that a lot, mainly because I love the cast, the supporting cast in that. Um, you know, it's just one of those movies that was always on, and for some reason, if I was just home alone or if I was just in the basement hanging out in front of the cable box, I kind of would just put it on. And there was Griffin Dunn and Adrian Shelley together on screen at certain points. And I was kind of like, wow, this is uh, this was made for me. I mean, if I was casting a movie like this, this these are the people I would want in it. So, um, yeah, just again, whenever she would show up, I was just instantly uh, happy. Uh, and oddly enough, I remember thinking the same of Felicity star Carrie Russell. Like I saw the pilot when that premiered on the WB and I just kind of went, Carrie Russell? who are you? I'm ready to uh, follow you on this show and beyond. And I have, and of course she would go on to work with Adrian Shelley. So, you know, and there's just something about, you know, people like that, that kind of go beyond the whole, Oh, girl next door cuteness <laughs> that might, you know, that some people might just kind of take away after a quick glance. But really Adrian Shelley didn't fit the conventional stereotype in terms of acting style. And she became kind of an indie darling that graced magazine covers, as we see in the documentary. But she created her own original work as a writer and director and eventually a mom. And I, I just kind of enjoyed whatever she brought. And we get to learn even more about her in the new HBO documentary by Andy Ostroy called Adrian, which is available to view as of December 1st. Let's just say I was pretty much in tears through most of it because I I miss that that face and seeing her in film, or um, certainly was just looking forward to whatever came after Waitress, and we didn't get to experience that, and I was like devastated when I learned that she was taken from us in an incredibly uh, difficult and awful murder that uh if you don't know about it, you'll learn about that as well and uh 
it's just hard. It's hard to talk about because, you know, even though I did not know her personally, I'd never met her. It was just kind of like one of those people where I want to just, you know, follow whatever they do and support them and celebrate them. I mean, heck, I can go all the way back to when I was like five or six and was just like, all right, Steve Martin's my guy. <laughs> you know, and I was just like, I was just interested in their career. You know, and we all have that. We all have those connections to a director, a writer, an actor, a musician, an artist, any number of people where you just kind of go, yep, uh, this works. They, they've tapped into my brain somehow. So we get a peek at Adrian through home movies and behind-the-scenes footage uh, in ways that we would expect in a documentary, but this is really done with oh, such delicacy and... Andy touches on how sudden loss and grief affects the entire family and him and the, the, the daughter that they had together uh, named Sophie. And it's just, it's heartbreaking, but again, life affirming because clearly a lot of good, a lot of positive energy has come out of a tragedy, which Andy gets into uh, during the interview. So I'll just uh, stop talking <laughs> because I'm excited to share this. It's um, it's really special for me to have talked with somebody who was obviously incredibly close and shared a life with uh, one of my favorite actresses. So, you know, this is um, I, I feel blessed and grateful sometimes when these interactions and experiences can come my way. Where it's a conversation, it's an interview, yes, and it's you know, you know, it, it happened because we're quote unquote promoting something but there's a again a chance to connect and engage in a way that uh, I kind of live for to be honest uh, it's why I got into podcasting in the first place it wasn't all about let me tell you what I think is a great film it's more about I want to know what you think is great about this person or this film or this work of art and uh, I'm here I'm, I'm just as much as I'm babbling I'm here to listen and uh, you, you will be experiencing one incredible work of art from Andy here with the documentary Adrian, which, again, check out on HBO Max as soon as possible. Uh, there's a lot to process as you're watching the film, um, but at the same time, it's consistently moving and maybe to some degree provides some closure and a chance to say farewell, but also a chance to bring Adrian back to life. Uh, and any fan of hers is going to miss her forever, the same way I do. But I also couldn't be more grateful for what she's given us. So without further ado, here's my talk with documentary filmmaker Andy Ostroy on the incredible life of his talented wife and so much more. So back when I was discovering independent film through my local video store in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, I came across a VHS box for a film by Hal Hartley, and it was simply titled Trust. 
I've cited it as being one of the films that turned me into a cinephile for life. To me, it captured the kind of indie spirit boom going on around that time with films like this and others by Spike Lee, Richard Linklater, and even Tarantino. Uh, but, but there was this interesting sense of humor and honesty that spoke to me with uh, the early work of that director. But I was even more taken with the two leads of Trust. And I also decided that whatever that actress was in, I wanted to track down and see. And that actress, of course, is Adrienne Shelley. And from that point forward, I, I felt a connection that went beyond simply finding her charismatic and, and talented. There was just something unique and offbeat about her approach that goes beyond kind of like the now-tired description of something like Manic Pixie Dream Girl or something like that. She seemed a little more introverted and vulnerable, in touch with the dark side of love and longing, especially in those two Hartley films, all while keeping a sardonic sense of humor in check. Cut to many years later when I was a film critic, still am, <laughs> and I'd seen the film Waitress for the first time, and I felt this renewed sense of joy and excitement for uh, telling everybody to see a great romantic comedy, because that wasn't always my favorite genre. But again, that sense of humor mixed with heart and, and, and unabashed romance and delicious pie, all, all these elements came together. And I remember thinking that I, I'd hoped that Waitress could go beyond cult movie status and it sure has, and then some with its acclaimed Broadway production. And now we have another story to experience, courtesy of today's guest. Great art should make you feel a lot of things, and in this new documentary film, Adrian, I felt so many things. Uh, sad, angry, but most importantly, I felt grateful for all the work that Adrian has given us as an actress, writer, and director. And I have nothing but gratitude for my guest today because he captured the spirit, the essence, the joy, the humanity of his late wife, taken from him and his daughter very tragically way too soon. Before our eyes, Adrian is not only brought back to life, but we get a sneak peek into the amazing human being she clearly was behind the camera as a mother, as a wife, and someone who will long be remembered beyond just a face that lights up the screen. Uh, please welcome to the show the widower of a remarkable woman, the multi-talented Andy Ostroy. How are you, Andy? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having uh, me uh, and uh, appreciate the kind words about Adrian. Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, it, 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 discovering her at a time when I wasn't sure <laughs> what was I going to gravitate towards? Because when you're in your high school years, you're trying to form your identity and figure out what do I really love? And it turned out to be movies and music, of course, but uh, seeing trust at, you know, an impressionable age when your brain is kind of developing sort of led to this love of that style of filmmaking and certainly Adrian as well. Uh, and a lot came to mind watching this, this documentary. I know how difficult the grieving process is uh, having lost my dad at, at the age of 50. I, anytime somebody loses somebody that young, it's, it's hard not to feel empathy. But for you personally, how did you prepare yourself to tell this story in the early stages? Uh, I think it, it just became a mission that I had to uh, uh, 
go in and achieve. And so it was a it basically a compartmentalization of things to sort of, you know, put aside um, a lot of my own uh, trepidation and, you know, um, uh, hesitancy towards, you know, maybe doing something of this undertaking, this, this undertaking something of this magnitude rather. Um, but I always wanted you know, I, I wanted, I had a, I, it was a clear vision to bring her back to life, to make sure. audiences, you know, get to know her, to have them uh, like her and fall in love with her and then grieve her loss. And, and then perhaps feel so connected that they go back and, and discover or rediscover her work as an artist. And um, so with that mission in mind, it, I, and I, 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 became very resolute very early on and stayed that way uh, un until I was able to execute on that vision. And I, you know, I I'm very, I feel gratified, a real sense of gratification seeing the film uh, in its final uh, iteration and feeling like I 100% uh, achieved uh, what I set out to do with the film. And I think you have, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, like I mentioned, the many emotions you feel, that's what, what great art can do. And certainly it is a testament to her talent and also her spirit. But I, I must imagine mining through so many archives and footage and photographs is, is yeah, you get that, again, that experience of mixed emotions. And it, it must be challenging to go relive the past, but also remember the amazing times that you shared through all these home movies to... What was the editing process like in, in terms of creating this? I'm sure it must have gone on for a while. Yeah, the editing process went on for well over a year, and oh, wow. it yeah. was kind of harrowing. Um, it, you know, I, I did, you know, every day spend hours and hours reliving, you know, my life with Adrian, Adrian with our daughter, Adrian with our daughter and me, Adrian with our family and friends. And so it was really emotionally challenging at times. And, you know, but like the last 15 years in many ways has been very bittersweet. There are things that have happened in that period, uh, you know, whether when I produced Sirius Moonlight, a script of hers that she was shopping at the time of her death and got that film made in 2007 uh, with Meg Ryan and Tim Hutton, and, uh, Kristen Bell, Justin Long, and directed by Cheryl Hines. You know, it was great to get her work out there, but, you know, you never lose sight of the fact that, you know, you have to get her work out there because she's not around to do it herself. Mm -hmm. So with everything that's positive, there's always a negative. And the, the goal has been, since she died, to somehow try to, you know, turn her tragic death into something positive. You know, I created the Adrian Shelley Foundation. We've given out over 100 production grants to women all over the world. You know, Chloe Zhao, who just won an Oscar for Best Director. She was one of our early grant recipients in 2012, when she was just making short films and, and, and barking on her first feature. And so, you know, the editing process, yeah, it was totally about reliving that life. But, you know, I kind of liken it, you know, to my own personal climbing of Mount Everest. You know, you, you read all the stories, you see films about people who do this and all the the, the illness that they get and the blizzards they the blizzards they have to withstand and the you know broken bones or whatever and the, the mental anguish. And then they get to the summit and it's like this is great. I'm glad I'm here and 
you know, uh, I don't know if I would do it again. Maybe I would, but you know, it made, it made the climb all the worthwhile. And so, you know, for me, it was an emotional Mount Everest and, you know, uh, the sausage making, uh, was difficult, but you know, the, the sausage, the, the film and having it, you know, out and on HBO tonight for the world to see is, um, really what it was all about. Yeah. Did you watch other documentaries to sort of get inspired? Because I, at one point I remember seeing like within the frame, uh, a copy of Sherman's March and I'm guessing Adrian might've owned that or was a fan of that particular documentary. And that, that filmmaker always inserted himself too in his, into his own documentaries in a really intimate way. Uh, so I'm just curious if there were other works that you looked at to sort of, you know, guide you along with doing something like this. I was always a fan of documentaries and I, and, and I, I watched a lot of documentaries and I believe that through documentaries, we get often get a very rare window into, into a very rare universe. So, and I, and I, and I, I love documentarians and, and, and the subjects that willingly participate in their films because Without them, we, you know, there's so much stuff in this world we would never know about. And so when I started to make my own film, I really watched even more. I mean, there were days where I would just watch two, three, four documentaries in a day, hmm. you know, when, when we had, you know, downtime or whatever between shoots. Um, and I did, I did look at them through a different lens. You know, when you, when you make a film, it's kind of crazy because it's it's great and it's also kind of a, a you know a liability at a certain <laughs> point because you never watch a film the same way again. You know now you're looking at a documentary and you're like, oh, why are they sitting in the middle of the room that way? Or <laughs> yeah, oh, I think of that when I go to concerts yeah, yeah. because I'm a musician and sometimes I look at the way they're forming the chords on the guitar and it's like yeah. <laughs> it's a different experience now. You know. Yeah. Or like now lighting. Oh, that's interesting lighting or (laughs) wow. That's, you know, that's an interesting cut or so. uh, But so I transitioned from watching documentaries as a, as a viewer to watching documentaries as a filmmaker. And I definitely, you know, once that radar was up, I definitely picked up things. I definitely saw things that were, I would consider pointers and inspiring elements. um, And uh, I think it's like anything else, you know, like if you're, you know, in medical school, you just stand around and watch doctors perform surgeries. I mean, you know, I, I, I kind of learned from people who do it really well and I had lived with a filmmaker. And so even though, you know, even though I never worked with her in that way, uh, I just always heard the things she would say about her own confidence and being resolute and, sticking to her guns and making sure she was able to execute on her own vision. And those are some of the things I tried to make sure the film included so that people can, you know, get a, a real strong sense of who she was as a filmmaker and how she uh, was able to execute her vision. Because, you know, you can have a really strong vision, but there's also a lot of people around you uh, who hopefully are guiding you in a positive way, but there's always people that are going to say, Oh, don't, you know, why end the film that way? Or why do this? Or why do that? Or, you know, and uh, it is a collaborative process and hopefully through conversation, people end up like, Oh yeah, well, that makes total sense. But, but there are just some people that, you know, they want to make their movie, except they want it to be the one you're making. And so, you know, you sort of, um, 
you have to really just, you know, be resolute. Otherwise you will end up making somebody else's film. And this, this story was way too personal for me not to be the one to make sure that what needed to be told is what ended up on screen. Oh yeah. A hundred percent true. I, I, w- I would find myself overwhelmed, but in a great way, uh, sitting with all that footage. But I'm—I I know you mentioned her as a as an artist, and I'm, I'm curious. What do you remember? I, you do bring this up in the documentary itself too. But what do you remember fondly about her creative process? Did she come to you and and share ideas? I just wanted to get like even more of an impression of what she was like. Uh, as an artist, which again, you do highlight in the film, but what memories come to mind for you when you think back to the time when she was, you know, finding her own voice or, mm-hmm. you know, discovering her confidence as a, as a filmmaker? Well, that's a, that's a great question. You know, she, what, what I always admired most was her confidence. Mm. You know, she never really let me read stuff. She, and, and the reason for that is because she, she wasn't interested in my opinion and she felt that way with other people. <laughs> She was like, I, I can give you a script. I can give other people a script. They're going to tell me things. And it's like, okay, all right. What do you What am I supposed to do with this? You know, this is my story. This is how I'm writing it. You know, it's, it reminds me of the, uh, <laughs> the Curb episode where uh, one of the actors uh, in a reading or something says to Larry, I don't know if the... Uh, I don't know if the character would, would say this. And Larry was like, well, actually he would. Cause I wrote it, you know, <laughs> and yeah. that's the thing. It's like, you know, there is no right or wrong with creativity. There's no right or wrong with scripts and characters and movies and TV shows and music, whatever. It's just, it just comes out of an artist. And so she was confident in herself, which started at a very young age that, you know, she understood producers. Yep. They're going to give you notes, a studio, maybe they're going to give you notes, but like, friends, other people, other writers, you know, husband, like I, I thank you, but like, I don't need the notes. <laughs> and, um, and when she finally did let me read waitress, I remember lying on my bed, not too far where I am right now from where I am right now. And uh, after like six pages, seven pages, I was like, do you know what you got here? And that's kind of the scene that's in a movie in the movie with yeah. where I talked to Jeremy Sisto, where she says, yeah, I, I, I think I do, you know, but if, you know, if it gets into Sundance, I think it could be big. And that, you know, back then, and even still today, um, that's still the Holy grail, like filmmakers, you know, for a lot of filmmakers, at least the belief is that, you know, everything hangs in the balance with Sundance because it is such a, a world-renowned, prestigious, you know, it's it's the it's the holy grail. And so I think she knew what she had, but she also knew the uh, obstacles. You know, you got to get it out in the world, regardless of whether it's amazing or not. You got to get it out in the world. These days, I think it's a little bit easier with all the distribution uh, options and, and, so, and such. But um, she was just very confident in her work. And I brought that to this project because I had to, I mean, I wasn't a film guy. I wasn't, uh, I didn't go to film school. I didn't, you know, I I produced a film of hers back in 2007, but I never really worked on a film and I certainly didn't direct one, but I've lived long enough in this world and I've done enough things that I, I had a confidence with what I actually did do. And I felt that I directed people. I directed situations. I directed businesses, you know, and I, I said, okay, here's what I do and can do. We're not going to dwell on what I'm not and what I can't do. Um, and I just approached it like other things. I was like, all right, I'm going to, 
I'm going to make a film and surround myself with great people. You, you know, it's like a business or a nonprofit or anything else. You, you, nobody does anything alone. Right. No direct, no director does anything alone. Martin Scorsese doesn't do any, everything alone. And so we get that impression you know, sometimes like with the whole auteur theory and all that stuff, it's kind of, <laughs> it's not necessarily true. They have editors and writers and people helping. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody's part. got their, their role and, you know, but for me, the most important thing that I need to feel that existed was a vision. You know, you can you could go to film school, you can spend 25 years working on films and, and decide to make a movie. And if you don't have a strong vision, you're going to make a pretty shitty movie. You can have a, a very strong vision and not necessarily the, the technical skills that people who work in film for years, but, but you, you can work with people who do, and, and, and you could make a good or an even great movie because it's all about the vision. And I don't care whether you're starting a business or you're, you know, uh, doing anything in life. If you have a strong vision for something, you can work with people who will help you execute that vision. I'm so glad they have, cause this is just, a, in the end, it's, it's also very life affirming for, even those not familiar with Adrian, which you kind of showcase at the very beginning with those standing in line to see Waitress the play and them not knowing where this incredible source material came from. Uh, and, and, and for me, it's like, oh, how could you not know? But then again, I know not everybody's a cinephile or studied independent film and things like that. Uh, but I'm, I'm also curious to know, what are what are some of your favorite performances from Adrian? I mean, personally, I think more people need to see and know about uh, Sudden Manhattan, because I kind of mm-hmm. adore that movie. <laughs> and I'm so glad you chose one of my favorite clips from that movie where she's walking around waving to everybody and saying, I'm yeah. stuck in a vortex. <laughs> yeah, well, that film, it's funny you say that, because... I think that film more than anything she's ever done really gives us a glimpse into, into her, her head, her humor, mm. her silliness. And uh, it is, you know, I don't want to say it's my favorite film she did because, you know, waitress is a great film, course, but it is a yeah. film that I think sh- showcases her as not just uh, an actor in the best way, but uh, as a writer and a filmmaker and, and you know the movie's kind of crazy and it's like a first time <laughs> film you know and she's clearly exploring some things and and then you see her get a little bit more focused with I'll take you there with Ali Sheedy yeah uh and a little bit more mainstream and then of course with waitress which wasn't a, a long uh period you know not, it wasn't a long break in between all of those films but she quickly got it she you know she used to say to me people tell me to um, to write commercially. And I would say, I, I don't write that way. I write what I write. And so she just kept layering and layering her skills and her talents between those three films. And then when she started to write Waitress, she just wrote another small indie film, but unbeknownst to her, she was actually writing a very commercial film. Yeah, and it's a complete success in that way. And and for someone who was like kind of getting burnt out on cheesy romantic comedies, that one stood out light, you know, uh, amongst so many, in a way that was totally refreshing. And casting, uh, you know, someone like Harry Russell was perfect because mm-hmm. when I when when I first started watching that show, Felicity, I was like, oh my gosh, another incredible actress right before my eyes. 
so it just seemed like the perfect marriage. You're right. And like, she kind of evolved yeah. with every film. Well, you know, what's interesting about what you just said is that um, there are movies you can look at and you, you find it impossible to imagine anyone else playing the lead role, you know, and it's really hard for me in the, in the 20 years since that film was made, um, 18 years or so, uh, to imagine a, a, a Jenna other than Carrie in yeah. that film. Yeah. You know, the musical is something separate. And so Jesse Mueller did a fantastic job and Sarah Bareilles came in after that, you know, even though she was the composer and uh, she did a stint a few times as, as Jenna and, and brought something really unique and incredible to it. And then there, there were others after but for the film, it really, it really was perfect casting. Carrie is the perfect Jenna. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I, on a, another more of a positive note, of course, I have to say that Adrian's mom is a pure delight, and it, it's clear to me that they they had similar kind of views on the world, and getting to see that familial bond strengthened was just another great aspect of the story. And I, I'm just curious how she feels about this film and how Sophie is doing as well. Cause they're a little bit more in the spotlight now that they're mm -hmm. in this film. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's another very good observation you've made. Uh, I had a, a long chat with Adrian's mom this morning. Uh, there was a big article in the local Newsday paper uh, that's out on Long Island. And so it's, it's a lot of people, friends have seen it. They've been calling her. And, you know, she's absolutely thrilled that this movie was made and she loves it. She absolutely loves it. But what you said is so funny because I literally said to her today, as I've said a couple of times recently, I said to her, you know, when I was with Adrian, I, I didn't, I just didn't make the connection between you and her. Like I didn't see it as glaringly. I said, but over the years since she's passed and especially lately, it's like, it's so clear to me to see from a foundational standpoint, where she got her humor, where she got her wit, her silliness, her, her intelligence, her, her kindness, her spirit. It, it, it really is fascinating to me because the older I get and the more time passes, the more I, see, you know, and I literally said to her today, you know, the apple definitely did not fall far from the tree, you know? Yeah. No, I can, I can sense that in the film itself. And clearly Sophia is also embodying a lot of those characteristics. Yeah, she is, you know, Sophie is very much like her mom. Mm -hmm. Sophie, you know, I'm a little bit more of the jaded New Yorker. Adrian was, <laughs> Uh, you know, she used to say to me, like, you know, if somebody does something to piss you off, why don't you just maybe like figure out why they did it instead of being angry? Yeah. And, and, you know, that might tell you a lot about them and who, and I would look at her like, girl, you're crazy. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I was born and raised in Queens. Like I'm a New York guy. And it's like, you know, uh, oh, oh uh, you know, let's figure out why they did something stupid. But I actually, after a while, I was like, you know what, it's a much healthier place to be. And so I started to, to, you know, execute on that philosophy and, you know, uh, not a hundred percent, but, you know, at times I would be like, okay, 
they're doing this because blah, 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 blah. And maybe I should feel sorry for them rather than feel angry for them. You know, Sophie has that. She has innately has that, that essence. And oh, that's um, great. Yeah. And she has her humor and she has her silliness and she looks so much like her. And there are times when I'll, I'll walk by her and it's like, Oh my God. You know I mean? Now that you're the same size as your mother, it's like, I, <laughs> there are moments where it's just like, wow. DM gene, the gene pool is kind of freaky sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Well, Andy, I can't thank you enough for putting this together for a lifelong fan like me. And of course, everything you've done with the Adrian Shelley foundation, and and this is really, I have no doubt this is going to reach a lot of women who are going to see this and feel inspired and want to go back to discover her career if they're not familiar with her. And obviously, I wish she were still with us like everyone else does. But the way you've, mm-hmm. the way you've immortalized her through this great work of art just means so much to me and her fans. I, I have no doubt. But this is also for you and your daughter and the entire family. So... Thank you for making this great documentary, truly. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, it is a very personal story, but there there are, you know, what I'd like to leave you with is that there are more universal uh, touch points to this this film that oh, I yeah. hope uh, uh, people take away from, for, you know, if, if there is something that happens to a family, a, a tragedy, a crime, whatever, you know, that maybe this film has shown them some way to fight for that person when they can't fight for themselves or, you know, to, to sort of shed some light on how a family, you know, navigates through the unthinkable or even just how do you talk to a, a small kid when somebody dies, you know, that's you, a great point. You, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, if if one person watches this film and it changes their life somehow or makes them handle something better, then, you know, that then it's just icing on the cake. Yeah, I have no doubt that's going to happen for a lot of people. And I again, I thank you so much for this documentary and for sharing your time today and sharing what made Adrian so special in so many ways. Thank you again. Well, thank you. Thank you okay. for your interest. Take care. All right. All the yes. best. Bye-bye. Take- Bye-bye, Jim. again to my guest Andy Ostroy and of course please check out his amazing documentary Adrian on HBO now playing and speaking of now playing visit nowplayingnetwork.net as well as directorsclubpodcast.com thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in a couple weeks (laughs) 